Broadcasting from the Cradle of Liberty in Philadelphia. All the way to the rhythm and blues of Beale Street in Memphis. To high atop the Wasatch Mountains in Utah. This is where politically correct perception meets common sense. This is the Joe Carey Show. Welcome to the Joe Carey Show right here on K-Talk 1640 AM, KYAH, and the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Thank you for uh, tuning in. Hopefully you had a a great uh, extended weekend uh, with the uh, family and friends uh, this uh, Labor Day weekend. You know, I want to jump right in and talk about uh, what's been happening in Chicago. Uh, Rahm Emanuel is out. There's a new mayor, a new sheriff in town, so to say, and she is... uh, as left as they get, right? I mean, she calls herself a Democrat, probably a Democrat socialist, if not a socialist in her approach to politics. Now, this past weekend, so that would be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. This past weekend in the city of Chicago, they had 30 people that were shot in Chicago. Seven of those people died. Where are the presidential candidates, right? The, the, the ones seeking the nomination on the Democrats, where are they? Right? They've proven themselves to be individuals that are more than happy to exploit tragedy, especially in the realm of guns. Well, you just had 30 people shot, seven were killed, and I don't think there's one a Democrat that's running for president that's in Chicago today or that's addressing what happened this past weekend. And I think it's obvious why, right? One, it's a Democrat city. It's been run by Democrats forever. And two, it has an outright ban on guns in the city. So it doesn't look good if you're running to be president and you're calling for a ban on guns as the solution to gun violence. If you pivot towards a city that has a ban on guns and violence is out of control. So Ted Cruz chimes in. He sends a tweet. Senator Cruz from Texas sends out a tweet. He says, look, this should show, meaning the 30 30 people shot, seven dead, that you know, this talk about banning guns, it it just doesn't solve the problem. Well, the mayor of Chicago, she has a lot of time on her hands because instead of worrying about addressing the crime and bringing the shootings down, she jumps on Twitter. And this is her response to Ted Cruz. She says, quote, 60% of illegal firearms recovered in Chicago come from outside Illinois. Now, did you catch that sleight of hand? Did you catch that? She doesn't say 60% of illegal firearms recovered in Chicago come from outside the state. She says they come from outside Illinois, mostly from states dominated by coward Republicans like you who refuse to enact common sense gun legislation. Well, if 60% of the illegal firearms recovered in Chicago come from outside of Illinois, that must mean that 40% come from inside the state. And then she doesn't tell her, she doesn't give us the breakdown of that 40%, how many have originated from Chicago? Do you you catch that? Did you see that? Because really the stat that she should be pushing, the stat that she should really be drawing attention to is 
all of these guns have come from outside the city of Chicago. But she can't because she knows that the ban doesn't work. And this is my question. So 40% of these guns are coming from her own state. Right? So you have Chicago. It's Illinois. 40% of these guns are coming from inside her own state. And then the next question is, excuse me. <clears throat> the next question is, what do you do once you... You ban all the guns from Chicago. Oh, wait, you've done that. But they're still getting in. So her solution, the mayor's solution to the gun problem in Chicago is to give the Democrats more control over states that they don't yet, they, that they haven't run into the ground. She's basically saying, hey, if you give us control over Texas and Indiana, we'll solve this gun problem. You haven't, you haven't been able to stop the gun problem in Chicago. And I've shared this on the show before. I've actually held a 3D printed gun. It was a 45 caliber gun. And it was printed on a 3D printer. How was the mayor of Chicago going to stop that? How was the mayor of Chicago? And this was a nice gun. This was like a very expensive gun to buy. You can print the plastic ones. You walk into your high school and print one. How is the mayor of Chicago going to stop that? And then let's say you magically, and it's not going to happen with magic. It's going to happen with a lot of violence. You're able to ban guns in the U.S. Is that going to stop them from pouring over the border? We have hundreds of thousands of people crossing the border illegally every year. How many guns do you think they bring? The mayor of Chicago, what she doesn't seem to understand is, you know, guns have always been here. They've always been part of our culture. They've been part of our struggle for freedom as a country. And we haven't had the violence that we have today. You know, up through the 1970s, did you know you were able to carry a, a rifle on the subway in New York City? You bring the rifle onto the subway. Guns haven't changed. The people have changed. Our culture has changed. We have become more violent. We have become more prone to violence. Later on, we'll talk about this new study. It shows the average American, we have, we have the patience of 16 seconds. Once 16 seconds passes, we then start to get antsy or angry or both. 16 seconds. So you have uh, these shootings in Chicago, not one Democrat, right? They, they can't prostitute it. They can't politicize it because it's their own. It's a Democrat in a city that's banned guns. So the solutions they're advocating for, put me a Democrat in office, I'm going to ban guns. We know that solution doesn't work. Doesn't stop Beto O'Rourke. He comes out, right? He's dropping the F-bomb everywhere because he's so desperate. He can't punch through. I think it's 3%. So he's got to say something. Well, maybe if I drop the F-bomb, that's going to get people's attention. So this weekend he was dropping the F-bomb. And this is what he said. He says, I want to be really clear 
that that's exactly what we are going to do if he's elected. This is a quote. Americans who own AR-15s, AK-47s, will have to sell them to the government. You think about that. Now, he calls it, you know, he says, we'll have to sell them. If somebody forces you to sell something, I don't really think that's a sale. I think it's a taking. Right? If you don't have a choice in the matter, it's not really a, a, you know, you're selling it. They're taking it. And this is why the founding fathers are despised and loathed by the progressive left. Because for over 200 years, they have been frustrating those clowns. And this is the perfect example. Beto O'Rourke thinks he's going to show into office, hey, I'm going to take these guns. Set aside, set aside, you know, the, the, the cultural backlash. Just legally, how far he will be able to get with that. Now, unfortunately, it's a lot scarier than we think. You know, the Heller decision, which uh, the Supreme Court 5-4 decided, you know, Americans do have the right, an individual right, not a militia right, but an individual right to own guns, was only 5-4. One justice on that Supreme Court switched sides. You wouldn't have a right to a gun. And you know these Democrats have already threatened the sitting justices. They've already said, because there's a big gun case working its way up to the uh, Supreme Court. Based on, I think it's the New York law. And New York has even toned down their law trying to uh, get the uh, Supreme Court to uh, not take this case. Because this has the potential to be a blockbuster case in terms of Americans have the right to a gun. You have a right to carry a gun. You have a right to transport that gun. Left hates this. So they've actually had a group of senators threaten the Supreme Court saying, if you take this case, we're going to change the makeup of the court. We're going to add justices. These people have lost their minds. Hey, when we come back, uh, I want to finish up with that. But I want to talk a, a little bit about what's happening in England. You know, they voted to leave the politicians are ignoring the will of the people. Sound familiar? We'll have that story and more right after this break. Welcome back to the Joe Carey Show right here on K-Talk 1640 AM and the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Go to lovingliberty.net, download the app, uh, look at the, uh, the talk shows that are on this network, an absolutely impressive lineup. I was telling Brian, I was at the gym this morning listening to, uh, to Brian talk about Ammon Bundy and personal freedom and uh, just a great uh, live lineup of talent. You owe it to yourself. Download the app. Listen. Support the advertisers. I want to um, just switch gears a little bit and just mention this. I think it's the University of Kentucky. I'm not sure. Um, they – let me just see if I can look it up real quick. Oh, University of Kansas. 
It's the University of Kansas. Uh, their faculty, uh, Chick-fil-A has been on their campus a long time, and because it's so popular, they're giving it more space. Well, there's some uh, very tolerant, progressive, liberal faculty members who just can't understand why. Why does Chick-fil-A deserve this, this bigger, more prominent area? Um, and these enlightened individuals have called for the university to ban Chick-fil-A. Well, they know that's not going to happen, right? Because these companies, they write big checks to universities to be on campus. So these liberal progressive professors, they want the money, but they don't want to fulfill their end of the bargain, so these professors now are petitioning the University of Kansas to put Chick-fil-A in the basement. You know, and their, their thinking is, well, you know, we can't have our students walking by Chick-fil-A. They could be triggered. They could look at Chick-fil-A and think the university endorses the policies of Chick-fil-A's founder, who is, you know, traditional marriage. To the University of Kansas, to their credit, they have pushed back and said, no, you know, we're going to allow this expansion to go through. We're going to accommodate the, the desires of the students. It's clear the students want to eat there. And I think about this intolerance on the left. And, you know, there was another story. Mayor Pete, uh, his husband, uh, I guess it's Chasen is the name of his husband. Mike Pence just had lunch with an openly gay uh, political leader from Ireland. They got together, they did the photo op, you know, they talked politics, they talked shop. Why not use that to celebrate the fact that people who have different ideas about politics, have different ideas about policies, can still get together and can still be civil? Isn't that a good thing that we have Mike Pence with traditional Christian values sitting down and breaking bread and eating with an openly gay Irish leader? I look at that and think that's a good thing. Well, apparently Mayor Pete and his husband, they look at that and, you know, they, they've got to go negative. Because I don't care how nice or, you know, charming Mayor Pete tries to come across. There's, like, there's an absolute vicious streak in that individual. And his husband kind of showed it because he came out and said, well, just because the two shared a meal doesn't mean the vice president uh, is any less homophobic. That's where you go with all the tension, with all the crisis, with all the hate floating around this country. You have an opportunity to celebrate diversity. Right? If anyone should have a problem with Mike Pence's position, should be the guy he's breaking bread with, right? If the Irish leader truly had an issue with it, he wouldn't have accepted the invitation. But again, you know, you're dealing with the politics of an election. So Mayor Pete, he goes down the road of, I got to drop all these F-bombs. Right? I'm desperate. I've got to do something, right? Like the, it's showtime. Either put up or shut up. So Beto, he's going all in on the guns. He's going all in on the F-bombs. He still can't break 4%. Because people don't know what he stands for anymore. And I think this was, was part of the reason for Trump's success. Even if you didn't like Trump, you knew what he stood for. 
And he wasn't saying one thing in front of you and one thing, you know, next week in front of a different audience. He said he was going to build that wall when he came down that gold escalator in Trump Tower. And I remember thinking, this guy's insane. Like, why would you lead your campaign with that? He believed it and he said it and he shared that message wherever he went. But, you know, you have Beto O'Rourke when he's in Texas. He, you know, he has Texas values. When he's in Washington or he's fundraising, he has Washington, D.C. values. We see the same thing with Mitt Romney, with Massachusetts Mitt here in Utah. He's talking to a Utah audience. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm part of you. I'm your culture. I'm your values. But when he's building his political base, you begin to wonder, is he more Massachusetts than Manti? I think that's pretty good coming up with Manti like that. I was trying to think of another M-Town, Brian. I couldn't do it. There's Manti and there's got to be a Moroni, Utah, somewhere, right? Is there? But this is what we see, and and that's what you're seeing in Beto O'Rourke. And today, see, remember, and we'll talk about this study, you only have 16 seconds before people start to lose interest. And with these politicians, what they don't understand is the people don't have time for insincerity. They're past that now. And they see it coming a mile away. So you have uh, Beto O'Rourke going, you know, all F-bomb, all anti-gun. You have Mayor Pete now. They're taking this slight anti-Christian, anti, you know, if you believe in traditional marriage, well, that's okay, but it's not. Now you can't have a Christian sit down with a gay person and, and break bread? Why is that wrong? Why shouldn't that be celebrated? Oh, that's right, because it's, uh, it's election time and it's open season on anybody if it'll give a politician a bounce in the polls. Sad. It's tragic. Absolutely tragic. And these politicians, they'll say and do anything. We saw it's happening in England right now. They voted for Brexit. They voted to leave England. Uh, what was it? A week before, two weeks before Donald Trump was elected here. It was a, it was a very short period of time. They can't get out. It's like a relationship you can't get out of. So Boris Johnson says, look, we're leaving. I think it's October 31st. You know, whether we have a deal, don't have a deal with the EU, we are leaving. So today what happens? Lifelong politician, he switches parties, goes from the Tories to the Liberal Democrats, jeopardizing this ability for Boris Johnson to move out, to move England out of uh, the European Union. Because the politicians aren't about you, they are about themselves. Never ever forget that. That's rule number one. Hey, when we come back, I want to talk about 16 seconds. That's the attention span we have. Think about that 16 seconds. I think that's about the length of time you could, you know, unwrap a plastic straw. That's about it. That's about all we have now before we're tuning out. And that's the average. I have to imagine when it comes to the younger generation, it's even less than that. We're going to talk about why that's happening and the implications for our 
culture. What does it mean when everything has to be sold in a soundbite? Where people don't take the time to listen and to explore and to learn. We'll have that and more right after this break. You're listening to K Talk 1640 AM and The Joe Carey Show right here on K Talk 1640 and the Loving Liberty Radio Network, 801 331 8113. We'll be back right after this break. Thoughtful discussion. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Hey, welcome back to the Joe Carey Show right here on K Talk 1640 AM, KYAH, and the Loving Liberty Radio Network. We have Son Swenson. She is the Director of National Outreach for the Colonial Flag Foundation. And uh, she's joining us today. We want to talk about uh, the event that's coming up, the Healing Field, right here in Sandy, Utah, September 7th through the 12th. Son, thank you for uh, calling in today. Hi. Thanks, Joe. So you have, this is the 18th annual Healing Field event, isn't it? It sure is. It, we've been doing these uh, flight display events every year. Uh, since the first anniversary of 9-11, we post one flag for each person that was lost during the terrorist attacks, as well as uh, over the years we've been adding uh, the Utah fallen, the military and first responders since 9-11. So it's a field of about 3,300 flags. Wow. And that's going to be September 7th through the 12th. And, uh, Son, are there specific hours for this healing field, or is it people can come on any of those days at any time? How does that work? Uh, and you can come any time. It's open to the public, free of charge, and uh, it's, it's open 24 hours. It, um, it's in the open field in front of Sandy City Hall on the promenade, and uh, it's uh, beautiful any time of day. I absolutely just spectacular event you can come at sunrise sunset um in the middle of the night if you like you know it's just such a beautiful spectacular display with filled with emotions so i think sometimes in the quieter hours it's even more impactful i have to tell you and son you know this but every year uh we sponsor uh I, we sponsor 12 flags representing the unborn children who were lost uh, on 9-11, and I have to tell you, it is a, uh, an honor to do that. We've been doing it for several years, and every year I am in Utah, this being one of them, I, I make it a point to go down and experience the healing field. It is a great way to remember what happened on 9-11, but it's also very um, cathartic. It's very healing, and I, I couldn't explain the psychology to it, but walking among those 3,000 flags reading the names and reflecting um just a powerful spiritual experience oh you couldn't have described it better it is incredibly powerful uh, because each flag is named with a name tag and represents an individual you can't help but feel the power and energy as if you were walking amongst those individuals and it is um 
very healing, and obviously that's one of the reasons why it got its name, the healing field. But it, and over the years, it's come from this place of mourning and loss, particularly to uh, hope and looking forward to the future and why we should go on with our lives and be, uh, you know, communities and doing good things, remembering and and giving these people that are remembered on the field a lasting legacy of hope and, um, you know, carrying on good deeds that they may have done, which is one of the things that we do with our healing field is that we give back to the community and individual charities. And so when people do sponsor a flag for this field, not only do they support the field and make it possible to happen every year, but that those monies go on to do good deeds in, in charitable ways throughout yeah, the year. You do, and you've partnered with the, uh, it looks like uh, the Colonial Flag Foundation is sponsoring it in conjunction with Honor 365, another uh, veteran-centric nonprofit. Let me ask you this. Um, There looks like there are two events with specific times, Uh, one being this Saturday at 6 p.m., Charlie Jenkins, country music star, is doing a uh, free benefit concert it looks like it's 6 p.m. at the Healing Field. Can you just spend a few minutes talking about that song? Oh, Charlie Jenkins is not only a, a great musician and songwriter, entertainer, but um, he obviously loves his country and loves to give back. And, and we're so grateful to him that he is donating his time and services with the band to come and perform perform for this event. Um, it's um, it's going to be. A wonderful concert. People uh, love going to the Charlie Jenkins concerts that uh, happen here and there. And so we do invite everybody to come out and support him and support um, the field. And talk about a perfect venue, you know, with a display of 3,000 flags as a backdrop. It's going to be really something to see. And it's outdoors, so make sure that you bring a blanket or something or a lawn chair and... uh, and, and bring your family and friends or date night, whatever. <laughs> and that's that's this uh, Saturday at 6 p.m., and it's my understanding that the tickets are free, but people do have to register by going to healingfield.org backslash Utah, and you'll see the, the registration uh, button there. Absolutely, yeah. It, it's very helpful for us to get an idea of uh, who to expect to come and you know how many people to prepare for and so forth, and so... Even though it is free, we would appreciate your going online and getting a ticket. And then the um, the other event I, I want you to talk about is there's an actual uh, ceremony that takes place on September 11th uh, as part of this healing field. And that begins at 7 p.m. right there at the healing field. Can you share with us a little bit about that ceremony, that program, and is that open to the public? It is open to the public, and it is outdoors as well at the field, in the center of the field. Um, and it's a ceremony that we have every year on 9-11 that uh, we honor and remember those that have fallen, but uh, we also honor heroes in, uh, that are serving today and the first responders and honor 365, the charitable uh, foundation that we're assisting this year. They have some particular heroes that they are going to salute and honor and uh, give back to. And we'll have musical numbers and um, some fascinating speakers. And we just hope that everybody will come and enjoy this 
Time of Remembrance and Unity. And that will be on September 11th at 7 p.m. If you visit healingfield.org backslash Utah, you will see all of the uh, events, the one taking place on September 7th, the one taking place on September 11th. So please visit healingfield.org backslash Utah for that information. So we just have a few minutes left, and I know that setting up 3,000-plus flags, taking them down, that must be a tremendous uh, undertaking. And I know that you always welcome volunteers. You have uh, several groups and organizations signed up, Boy Scout groups, companies, businesses. Um, Where can people go? Do you still need volunteers? Where do they go to sign up? They can go on that same website. There's a a volunteer button there that they can push to to go on and sign up, or they can show up at the field in Sandy. It's 100th uh, South uh, Sandy City Promenade in front of Sandy City Hall behind Target store, and uh, we will begin setting up Friday, September 6th at 5.30 p.m., and we can also use help taking down the field. That's always, um, you know, a large task to undertake, and that will be Thursday, September 12th at 5.30 p.m., and um, not only do we need the help, but let me tell you, people come back year after year. They love it. It's so rewarding when you're involved in setting up those flags and you step back and then watch them unfurl and begin flying, you know, over 3,000 flags. It's very, very impressive. Well, Son, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time. I know that this is a very, very busy week for you. Not only do you uh, work very hard with the Sandy Healing Field, but um, you work with healing fields all across the country, and as Son mentioned, it's a great fundraising opportunity. So if your organization um, is looking to raise funds, the Healing Field Program is an exceptional way to do that, um, and they work with nonprofits all over the country, uh, m- hundreds of fields. And Son, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you to talk about uh, fundraising opportunities? The best way is to go to healingfield.org, and you'll see um, some different uh, connection buttons or the phone number is on there, and uh, you can call and contact us, and we'll be happy to help you get started in your area. It is a fabulous fundraising event. People that uh, start doing one of these think they're only going to do it for a year. They end up making it their legacy project in their city, and they're loved and respected and um, very, very successful and unifying the community as well as raising funds. Son, I want to thank you. Good luck at your healing field, and I will see you there in Sandy next week. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Joe. Appreciate the time. Bye-bye. I've got to, if you haven't been, you owe it to yourself and your family. Visit the healing field. It, it opens September 7th. It runs through the 12th. There are two programs, and you should take the time to go But make sure you go to the healing field. It's truth in advertising. You leave a better person than when you arrived. We'll be back with more right here on K-Talk, 1640 AM.
Hey, welcome to the Joe Carey Show. You know, I want to uh, just spend a few minutes just talking about this new study that came out that shows that, on average, uh, people become frustrated. So not impatient, not, ah, you know, I'm going to move on. Become frustrated generally after just 15 seconds uh, of waiting for something to happen. Now, that's a direct reflection on the culture and the technology, and we'll talk about that. But what got me thinking about this was uh, this past week, I think it was on Thursday, I had to call, um, on behalf of a client, I had to call uh, the immigration office in Washington, D.C., and I just I had to make an inquiry about the status of a particular matter, and I was having a tech issue, meaning uh, the information they gave me to log on, which was you know personal uh, to me, uh, to log on wasn't working. And so I called up, and they you know you go through all the options. And did you ever find yourself getting frustrated that there's so many options? Like, geez, just let me talk to somebody. And you try to figure out the shortcut. You know, so I'm screaming out operator, service person, agent, nothing, right? Because it's the government. And they have like 20 different options that you can select from. And some are so close. It's like that scenario with the door. Okay, you have two doors. There's a lion behind one door and a million Cheerios behind the other one. Which one do you want? And I'm like, I, I, it doesn't matter. I'm going to get screwed. So I choose option two. And then I wait 38 minutes, 38 minutes I'm on hold. And I finally speak to a woman and she's very kind and very nice. And she says, you know, you really need to talk to, cause I called tech because I thought, you know, this login was a tech issue. She said, no, you really need to talk to an immigration official. And of course, because it's the government, they can't transfer you. Right, They don't have the technology to transfer you from one department to the next. So she gives me the number, which is the same number I had called. It's just a different option. And when I ask her what option to push, she can't help me out. I, I don't really know. So I call back. I call uh, and select the option that I think is best for me. And then instead of getting someone on the phone, I get this recorded message, which I've heard before. Uh, Brian, have you heard this before where there's like, instead of holding, we now have the option to call you back. Have you heard that? And you know, at first I was always leery, like, oh boy, they're going to lose it. I'm not going to get a call back. And, but I've used it enough in the private sector where I think, okay, you know, this will work. So it says, look, if you choose this option, you don't have to hold, we will call you back and you don't lose your place in line. And then they said the estimated wait time, if you choose this option, is 384 minutes. And so I broke out my calculator like I'm doing now, and I took 384, and I said divide it by 60, 6.4 hours for a callback. And then I looked at my watch, and I said, wow. This is going to be tight because if I do get a call back, because I assume they're going to close right at five, right? So I'm doing the math and thinking if I select this callback option, the callback will come right around five o'clock. Now, am I going to have an industrious government employee call me like at 449 or not? So I hit yes because what's the other option? I'm going to wait for 384 minutes. 
So I choose, yes, call me back. And can I tell you, in 6.4 hours, they did call me back. I got a call back from the government and said, hey, you know, we're looking for Joe Carey. It's a recording, right? And I say, this is him. Press one. So I press one. And when the private sector, when they call you back and you hit one, what happens? You talk to a live person on the other end of the phone, right? They're like, oh, wait, you selected the callback option. We're calling you back. I hit one (coughs) to acknowledge it's me. And then I'm on hold for another hour, even after the callback. So I finally get to talk to, and she's very nice and very polite. And she says, you know, Mr. Carey, I'm sorry, but you really need to be talking to the tech department. Now, the tech department, if you remember, are the people who sent me to her. So... I I tried not to get frustrated. I tried not to get upset. All I asked her was this. Do you know who Franz Kafka was? Because he would appreciate this situation more than you realize. And she says, no, I don't know who he is. Why would anyone, and this, this was my walk away, why would anyone want the government running anything in their life? I don't care if it's your, the post office, if it's a utility. Why would you want an organization that takes 384 minutes to call you back? Can't transfer you from one department to the next. Running your health care. Why would you demand that from someone? Because one, it's not free. Well, the response is free. It's not free. It might be free to you in terms of money, but there's a certain enslavement that comes with that. Is that too strong of a word? There's a certain enslavement that comes with that. You think government gives you stuff for free because they like you? Remember, government is not your friend. They don't like you. Even if they give you stuff, it's because they want to use you. I'm not talking about the people in government, right? Like I said, both people that I spoke with beyond polite, beyond nice. But government, the entity is a living, breathing thing. And it feeds off of power. It really does. And if you don't believe it, take a look what's happening with Brexit. Two and a half years, they voted to leave the EU. They still can't. Why? Because politicians on both sides who promised, hey, we're going we're gonna to put this to a vote once and for all. If you vote to leave, we leave. If you vote to stay, we stay. And that'll be the end of it. And nobody, David Cameron, when he called for that vote, no one's heard or seen of David Cameron since he called for that vote. That's because the elites have sent him to Siberia. Because he promised there's no way we're going to, there's no way they're going to vote to leave. They did. And they said it's going to be razor thin. And it wasn't. It was 52 to 47%. And the politician still rejects and put under their feet the voice of the people. So finally, Boris Johnson gets in and he says, look, we're leaving. I don't care if we have a deal or no deal. October 31st, we're walking out of the EU. What happens today? People in his own party switch parties. We've seen it here. We have seen it here. 
because it's not about party. It's not about policy. It's about power. And it's not limited to England. It's here. It's here. And thank goodness for the founding fathers. Thank goodness that they were wise enough to see that, you know, most men when offered the opportunity for power will take it and abuse it. And they said, the only thing we can do is we can just put this piece of paper together. Think about that. The only thing that stands between tyranny and we the people is a piece of paper. You don't believe that because I don't believe it. It's the virtue and it's the principle. That's what protects us. It's enshrined in that piece of paper we call the Constitution. And that's why the left wants to shred it. It's why they want to destroy it. And in a world where the attention span is only 16 seconds, it becomes harder to do. You know, because right there at the top of protecting the principle of the Constitution is education. And education doesn't come in 16-second increments. It doesn't come in 16-second sound bites. It takes a lot of work and effort. That's our protection. I want you to stay tuned. We have Larry Reed, uh, former president of FEE. He will be on next. And um, also, start your morning every morning, 7 a.m. with Brian Hyde right here on the Loving Liberty Radio Network. You can pick it up on KTALK 1640, KYAH, down in St. George, as well as the Loving, Loving Liberty Radio app. Remember, only two things you need to do in this world. One, take the time to get right with God. It may take more than 16 seconds. It's worth it. And be kind. We'll be back tomorrow right here on The Joe Carey Show. Thoughtful discussion. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network.